0: Where is the laptop? What the hell difference does it make? They got it. End of story. (sighs) APD, Northwest Area Command on second. They tagged it. They filed it. It's in the system, and they locked it in their evidence room. All right.
1: All right. So, describe the building. (laughs) Describe
0: the building. How about I describe Fort Knox and what are you going to do? Are you
1: going to put on your black leotard and go dangling on a clothesline? It's a building full of cops. What else do you need to know? And why in the hell am I talking to you? I just want to say that the did you put on your black leotards and dangle from a clothesline should hurt all of you (laughs) sport climbers. should hurt you in a real place. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) <laughs> that includes you too, Paul.
0: Yep. I guess I identify as a sport climber these days. So I felt <laughs> it a little bit at least.
1: Yeah. It hurt a former me and the current me is the one who knocks. So <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, today is going to be a little bit different. Uh, number one, this is the first time we've throughout the entire season that we've actually discussed a paper a little bit beforehand and we haven't really discussed the content of the paper as much as how to structure this episode because we're looking at two different creatine reviews and they're they're both kind of massive so we had to figure out how to structure this thing mm-hmm.
0: yeah there's a lot of information on here i think you know over 500 studies in these two papers alone which is yeah a
1: lot and um, one of them mentions that there are there are thousands of studies done on creatine. So
0: yeah, I think it's the most researched supplement out there, yeah. or if not the most, it's one of the most for sure. So evidence-based methods for supplementation, this is probably one of the first places you're going to look, and everyone knows about creatine or has heard yeah. about it.
1: Yeah, totally. And uh, you know, I think that the the place we're starting um, is a really important place to start. Uh, especially with climbing being being in the Olympics now um, and sport in general. And we're starting with a paper called the International Society of Sports Nutrition Position Stand Safety and Efficacy on Creatine Supplementation in Exercise, Sport and Medicine. Um, a bunch of authors. I'm not even going to try it. It's uh, Richard Kreider et al. And... These authors, what I gathered from the paper, and this, this will go with both papers, is that they're kind of a who's who of creatine um, research and investigation. Uh, the journal is the Journal of International Society of Sports Nutrition 2017, and the purpose of this review is to provide an update to the current literature regarding the role and safety of creatine supplementation in exercise, sport, and medicine. And to update the position stand of the International Society of Sports Nutrition related to creatine supplementation. And, you know, the list that that these bodies, these governing bodies of sport have to keep up with of supplements um, in order to ensure safety um, to look at the efficacy is massive. So getting their gold seal here would be huge for creatine.
0: And just from a competition perspective too, when you get to the higher levels, you need to be careful about what supplements you take. Exactly. You know, you could fail a drug test and whatever you place in this competition or whatever you win, that could be taken away. So especially as climbing's moving into a more mainstream world of sport, I think more and more, of the supplements that we're using or considering using need to kind of go this route to make sure everything's staying where it needs to be and not getting banned or title stripped, things like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, Kyra Condi, one of our Olympic climbing athletes, uh, I know is a creatine user. So I'm sure she was, you know, looking for this kind of thing. Uh, The second paper we're going to look at is Common Questions and Misconceptions about Creatine Supplementation. What does the scientific evidence really show? Um, Jose Antonio et al., a lot of the same authors on this paper. Um, Same journal, Journal of the International Society of Sports Nutrition. This one's more recent, 2021. And the purpose is to address the common mis- questions and misconceptions. An internationally renowned team of research experts who have collectively published over 200 peer refereed articles involving creatine supplementation was formed to perform an evidence-based scientific evaluation of the literature. So we're uh, we're kind of going in heavy this time. Lots of lots of info in this episode. Yep, let's do it. All right. You clearly don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I'm Paul Cursaro. I'm Chris Hampton. Lucky, two guys are just guys, okay?
0: And you're listening to Breaking Beta.
1: Where we explore and explain the science of climbing. And with our skills, you'll earn more than you ever would on your own. We've got work to do. Are you ready, 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 ready?
0: I just consumed about 500 grams of creatine. I'm ready to
1: roll. Are you? 500 grams is a lot, dude. You're you're ahead of me by 495 grams today. Yeah.
0: Well, you've got five grams in, so are you ready?
1: I am ready. <laughs> I am absolutely ready. Uh, let's take a look at the methods. In a scenario like this, I don't suppose it is bad form to just... Flip a coin.
0: Cool. So this is a position stand. So this is one of the first places you'll look for evidence-based information about supplements or nutritional methods. Uh, The International Society of Sports Nutrition uh, published this paper. They're a nonprofit uh, organization that has their own journal and really just focuses on the nutrition aspect of both sports performance and there's health as well in there. So Mm -hmm. this paper had 253 citations and that's just a fraction of the many papers and research that has been done on creatine supplementation. So basically what they do is they break down as best they can, the body of research and finish the paper with some recommendations for how to use the supplement in question which in this case is creatine
1: yeah i really like this kind of paper um you know it makes it quite easy as a reader as a coach as a uh, an athlete to look at it and get the actual suggestions out of it you don't have to tease them out yourself they're pretty much there and if you want to look deeper into one you can and i think that's what we're going to do today Yep. Um, Let's just uh, jump right into what it says.
0: Whatever you think is supposed to happen, I'm telling you, the exact reverse opposite of that is going to happen. All
1: right. um, Let's take these one by one, I think. I'll just uh, I'll start and we can kind of go back and forth on what their suggestions are here and, you know, kind of talk a little more about each one. How's that sound to you? Let's do it. Sounds great. All right. So, after reviewing the scientific and medical literature, the International Society of Sports Nutrition concludes the following in terms of creatine supplementation as the official position of the society. Number one, creatine monohydrate is the most effective ergogenic nutritional supplement currently available to athletes with the intent of increasing high-intensity exercise capacity and lean body mass during training.
0: Yeah, and that's pretty backed up they cite a bunch of different studies that are done here and it pretty much improves performance across the board on almost everything that's been looked into for both exercise and sports performance so the evidence is the evidence is there
1: for sure yes i think that's i think climbers should absolutely be looking at that and taking it into consideration
0: yep so creatine monohydrate supplementation is not only safe, but has been reported to have a number of therapeutic benefits in healthy and diseased populations ranging from infants to the elderly. There's no compelling scientific evidence that the short or long-term use of creatine monohydrate up to 30 grams a day for five years, I guess I'm a little over with that 500 grams, <laughs> has any detrimental effects on otherwise healthy individuals or among clinical populations who may benefit from creatine supplementation. We use a different chemical process, but it is everybody. It is pure.
1: Yeah, I think the the safety of it is important, right? Um, mm-hmm. I consider, and I think we all should consider everything we're putting into our bodies. You know, we shouldn't just jump onto a supplement because your friend said it. Um, and the amount of evidence here is overwhelming and the up to 30 grams a day that's well over the the recommended dosage um, well under the the Paul dosage of 500 <laughs> grams um, but that's well under and that's you know that study looked at it for five years so um, seems safe to me and I can't argue with that <laughs>
0: I will say especially when if you start talking about you know therapeutic and medical uses of creatine definitely talk to someone who's licensed in nutrition. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I try. I'm a pretty big proponent of staying within my scope of performance and movement. So I always mm-hmm. get a little nervous when we get into the medical side of things. So please see sure. someone with doctor in front of their name or someone who's licensed to practice clinical nutrition if you're considering using supplements for health and medical reasons
1: yeah here's my disclaimer (laughs) (laughs) appreciate that yeah number three if proper precautions and supervision are provided creatine monohydrate supplementation in children and adolescent athletes where we're going into that realm again is acceptable and may provide a nutritional alternative with a favorable safety profile to potentially dangerous anabolic androgenic drugs Uh, However, we recommend that creatine supplementation only be considered for use by younger athletes who, A, are involved in serious competitive supervised training, B, are consuming a well-balanced and performance-enhancing diet, C, are knowledgeable about appropriate use of creatine, and D, do not exceed recommended dosage. Um, I'm glad they included the are consuming a well-balanced and performance-enhancing diet here. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that should be the first step for everybody, not just kids. Yeah, um, but backing up to what you said, you know, if you're a youth athlete or a coach who's working with youth athletes, um, don't take it from us. Talk yep. to, talk to the medical professionals.
0: And there's going to be creatine in animal protein. If you know, that fits within your dietary
1: restrictions,
0: uh, restrictions. Thank you. So, you know, you're going to get some creatine there. Uh, it could be useful if say it, animal protein and red meat doesn't fit within your dietary restrictions. So, this could be something to really consider to make sure we're getting all those micronutrients and getting the creatine in our diet, which – because it has a pretty important role in our metabolism and energy production. So, it's definitely important to get it in somehow. So, this could be a method if you can't get it other ways.
1: Yeah. I I think that, you know, we didn't really go into what creatine is or what it does. And I think – You know, we could do a whole season of a podcast on just that, but essentially we all have creatine stores um, and they're extremely beneficial for recovery and for uh, athletics in general. So if we need more of it, then that's where the supplement comes in. Number 4 for you. So, label
0: advisories on creatine products that caution against usage by those under 18 years old, while perhaps intended to insulate their manufacturers from legal liability, are likely unnecessary given the science supporting creatine safety including children, including in children and adolescents.
1: Yep, back to that. If you're if you're working with kids, don't take it from us. Yep. But I do think that's worth talking about, like the labels on a lot of these products. The legal teams are going to drastically, you know, change what that label is allowed to say for any company. So we can't necessarily take the label at face value all the time.
0: Yeah. And a lot of those labels, the wording can make it seem like there could be some serious dangers to using certain supplements when really it's just being protective. So it's that's why it's useful to have these position stands to dig a little deeper and find what the science really says for these.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I think I bought some furniture the other week that causes cancer if you live in California. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's like everything out there has that label, I believe, right?
1: Yeah. All right, at present, creatine monohydrate is the most extensively studied and clinically effective form of creatine for use in nutritional supplements in terms of muscle uptake and ability to increase high-intensity exercise capacity. Um, important if you if you are climbing a lot, training a lot. You know, <laughs> it's having the energy to, to do that in an effective way isn't only going to mean that you send more it's also going to mean that you're reducing your risk of injury um you're recovering faster so for me that's a big win
0: yeah a couple cool things i noticed when going through this stand was they cited a couple papers where it helped mitigate some of the soreness that came from heavy increases in training loads mm-hmm. so it could be useful coming into you're doing a final peak for a trip or the end of the season and you want to handle that increased volume of training without feeling just absolutely destroyed this could be helpful for that another backed up uh benefit of creatine was when injuries occurred and limbs or muscles were immobilized it helped Reduce some of the atrophy or losses in strength. Yeah. So it could kind of hedge your bets if, say, you're you're on the sideline for a little bit and you can't use certain aspects of movement or your body. This could help reduce that uh, drawback or diminishing effect.
1: Yeah. When you're totally. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people. Especially in America have like two week vacations and they end up with these quick climbing trips where they're trying to pack in a lot of climbing in a short amount of time and they don't have the ability to train in blocks where they're climbing three days in a row. Um, So... For me, it's a big win if I have a supplement in place that can help me recover a little faster and handle more load. Uh, I'm going to be able to get more climbing in. I'm going to feel more fresh on, you know, third day on. And I'm just coming off a trip to Vegas bouldering where I experienced exactly that. Nice. You know, I sent I sent my hardest boulder of the trip third day on and I haven't climbed three days in a row in I can't tell you when the last time I climbed three days in a row was. (laughs) So, yeah.
0: Uh, Moving on, the addition of carbohydrate or carbohydrate and protein to a creatine supplement appears to increase the muscular uptake of creatine, although the effect on performance measures may not be greater than using creatine monohydrate alone.
1: Yeah, I, I sort of like it whenever research brings carbohydrates into the conversation. They've been unfairly demonized by a lot of people, I think. So, I just appreciate the mention of saying, you know, using a carbohydrate might make this more effective.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't, it, it doesn't look like there is any research out there that shows that adding that carbohydrate or protein to the supplement causes any noticeable decrease in the effectiveness too. So, if right. that makes your supplementation routine a little bit easier to combine them, I think that's a mm-hmm. good uh, point to notice is that we can simplify or make things more efficient. You don't have to take eight shakes a day or something like that, so.
1: right, All right, the quickest method of increasing muscle creatine stores may be to consume uh, three grams per kilo, three grams per kilogram of body weight. It doesn't say that there, but that's what it means. (laughs) Um, A day of creatine monohydrate for five to seven days following the three to five grams of day Thereafter to maintain elevated stores, initially ingesting smaller amounts of creatine monohydrate, for example, three to five grams a day will increase muscle creatine stores over a three to four week period. However, the initial performance effect of this method of supplementation are less supported. So this is just talking about the popular like loading phase of loading up on a little more for five to seven days, actually quite a bit more for five to seven days. Uh, and then going into your, your just three to five grams a day versus three to five grams a day, period. Um, I personally follow the three to five grams a day. I don't do the loading phase and, and I find it works just fine for me.
0: Yep. I think one, and we, I may be pulling this over from the misconceptions paper, because a lot of these points we're going to talk about today do overlap a bit. Yeah. Um, I think one of the points about these two different loading protocols, one where you do load up heavily and then kind of go to maintenance, and then one where you just keep a consistent smaller amount, I believe the heavy loading in the front increased the timeline of mm-hmm. getting that maximum level of creatine storage in it the did. muscles. So, you know, that may be something to consider if you have a trip coming up or you do have some time constraints in the near future, you might get a little more bang from the buck with yep. the uh, heavier loading method. Absolutely. Uh, next one, clinical populations have been supplemented with high levels of creatine monohydrate, 0.3 to 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight a day, equivalent to 21 to 56 grams a day for a 70 kilogram individual for years with no clinically significant or serious adverse effects.
1: Yeah, I don't know if there's been a study into your 500 grams that you've had today. <laughs> um, N equals 1. Yeah, you're an in, you're in N of 1 and… Maybe your study is only a one-day thing, but <laughs> we'll know in a couple of weeks how it yep. turns out. We'll let you it's guys good, know.
0: It's a good thing we're finishing this season today in case <laughs> I'm not around tomorrow.
1: <laughs> and uh, further research is warranted to examine the potential medical benefits of creatine monohydrate and precursors like... Uh, I didn't look at this word <laughs> previous. <laughs> acetic acid on sport, health, and medicine. acetic. This sounds like something from Jurassic Park. Right. And, you know, frankly, <laughs> I'm a fan of any paper that finishes with further research is warranted. Um, like we've said before, we like how science works.
0: Yep. Always further research. Always forward.
1: All right. That's the ISSN stance on creatine. So, they're finding it safe, they're finding it effective, they're suggesting its usage for athletes. Um, Let's take a quick commercial break and we'll come back and talk about some of the questions and misconceptions around creatine. Please, right? I really need a break here, okay? So, despite the fact that this show is all about science, most of us, including Chris and Paul, aren't just one-dimensional rock climbers that only care about the data. There's so much more to this sport. Okay, but say, you know, just for the sake of argument. That's why we're a proud member of the Plug Tone Audio Collective, alongside founding member podcasts, Sends and Suffers, the Power Company podcast, and the American Climbing Project. From building community and tackling tough conversations to sharing spray about exciting recent sends, we've got it all. Rooted in climbing and expanding outward. You can find more of our shows by searching for Plug Tone Audio in your preferred podcast app, or by visiting us at the link in your show notes. And as always, please share your favorite episodes with your friends. Oh, and did I mention that we're constantly growing, with new podcasts being added all the time? So keep an eye out, or an ear out, for new shows soon. So I'll go back to work, for Christ's sake, okay? Okay. All right, we are back from commercial break, and we're looking at some of the questions and misconceptions that we all have when it comes to creatine.
0: Whatever you, whatever you think is supposed to happen, I'm telling you, the exact reverse opposite of that
1: is going to happen. All right. I'm, I'm about to let the cat out of the bag a little bit here, Paul. Do it. Here's how we're going to structure this section. I'm going to be asking the questions and then I'll let you read their answer. And then we can talk about the ones that sort of make the most sense to discuss in terms of climbers and athletes in general. And the reason I'm letting the cat out of the bag is because at some point, we're going to be doing some better call Paul episodes where Paul is answering questions particularly yours. So, let's start with, does creatine lead to water retention? So,
0: in summary, while there is some evidence to suggest that creatine supplementation increases water retention, primarily attributed to increase in intracellular volume over the short term, there are several other studies suggesting it does not alter total body water, intra or extracellular relative to muscle mass over longer periods of time. As a result, creatine supplementation may not lead to water retention. So, what we're doing as we kind of go through this, we're kind of reading the conclusion for each section and then we'll talk about it. So, that's kind of why this is a little bit longer, a little more specific wording because we're sh- just pulling this straight from the paper.
1: Yeah. And, you know, my thought here and, you know, they they discuss it in this paper as well is that this myth comes from all of those that early research you know that was done decades ago um, that showed this um, water retention based on using 20 grams a day for for six days or so and that's quite a bit more than the the recommended if you're following the you know the three to five grams a day um, so there there could be still some, some water retention that's noticeable um, if you're doing that loading protocol. But it's hard to separate that from, is it muscle mass that we're gaining? Is it water that we're holding? Um, Unless you're doing a study. If if it's just you and you're like, oh, I've gained some weight. I must be taking on water. I don't know if we can make that claim.
0: And it seems to be pretty short term, right? It kind of seems to level out over... A period of time so yep yeah. cool
1: all right next question is creatine an anabolic
0: steroid so in summary because creatine has a completely different chemical structure
1: it is not an anabolic steroid i don't know that we need to go too much more into that um, yep i don't know what the chemical structure of these things are um, so i'm fine if if this journal and this review is saying it's not a steroid.
0: Yeah. I think the important distinction here is the physiological and performance outcomes of steroids and creatine can be similar. You can perform better. You can recover faster. Uh, The mechanisms action, like, like was just mentioned. So it's different chemically, but also it's legal categorization is different too. And I think that's really important when you get into competition as well, as long as it's allowed and safe, which the evidence shows and you can use it to help your performance, it's a viable pathway. We use a different chemical process, but it is every bit as pure. Exactly. Oh, that's a perfect one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I work hard over here with these samples, Paul. <laughs> um, does creatine cause kidney damage or renal dysfunction?
0: Uh In summary, experimental and controlled research indicates that creatine supplementation when ingested at recommended dosages does not result in kidney damage and or renal dysfunction in healthy individuals.
1: Yeah, so recommended dosages, not the 500 grams a day that Paul is on today.
0: (laughs) And I think this continues with the theme of a lot of these misconceptions come from earlier research. I think the big one this came from was a case study that was published in 98 with a young male who had kidney disease as well. Mm -hmm. I think some of the markers were declining while he underwent creatine supplementation. And I think they have pretty consistently done some research trials uh, about creatine supplementation and kidney and renal function has actually increased and overall improved. So I think a lot of this, initial case study misconception has been pretty strongly uh, negated
1: yep I think so Uh, does creatine cause hair loss or baldness
0: in summary the current body of (laughs) evidence does not indicate that creatine (laughs) supplementation increases total testosterone free testosterone DHT or causes hair loss and baldness
1: here at the end of round one I'm going to recommend cautious optimism Uh, you'll start feeling better soon more like yourself and your hair should start to come back (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes. You
1: and I can't comment on this because yep. both of us are either bald, going bald by choice or not. Yeah, my future is very apparent when you look at my relatives. <laughs> <so>. Hair apparent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Does creatine lead to dehydration and muscle cramping?
0: Uh, Actually, can we go back to the hair loss thing real quick? Yeah. Um, Yeah, let's do it. I just figured we'd highlight, again, this came from an initial um, study that was done in the past uh, where some rugby players and they saw an increase in the DHT or dihydrogen testosterone over time. Mm -hmm. Um, That study, however, has not been replicated. So, they tried to replicate it and they couldn't. So, again- Maybe this study that led to this initial misconception wasn't on solid ground, or just couldn't be replicated. So,
1: mm-hmm. and this is one of the dangers of uh, you know looking at one study, making a decision based on that one study, and then never checking back in with the research again. So, use use science how it's used. That's the best way to go about it. Indeed. All right. Does creatine lead to dehydration and muscle cramping?
0: Uh, In summary, experimental and clinical research does not validate the notion that creatine supplementation causes dehydration and muscle cramping.
1: It's interesting to me, and, you know, I know this is not exactly how it works, but it's interesting to me that we would be afraid of water retention and dehydration all at the same time. Yep.
0: right. Um, A previous study that caused this misconception, uh, they used 52 football players and 25% of those reported incidences of muscle cramping and 13.5% reported symptoms of dehydration. However, these studies failed to control for the use of other supplements and the dosage of creatine ingested. So another not super solid study leading to these misconceptions and they're still around today, but again, it's been proved that this is not the case.
1: Yeah. The, that kind of thing seems like it's rampant. And when something is as widely studied as creatine, if you come across one of those studies, it's pretty easy to go deeper into that rabbit hole and see what other studies are saying.
0: Yep. And then a study after that, 72 athletes called collegiate football players, and they actually had better or so I guess less. Instances of cramping, dehydration, tightness, muscle strains, all that. So it's looking like it's actually the opposite.
1: So maybe when you're putting on your tight ass climbing shoes, creatine will help your feet not cramp up over and over and over.
0: That is the worst, (laughs) isn't
1: it? It's the worst. I hate it. All right. Is creatine harmful for children and adolescents?
0: In summary, based on the limited evidence, creatine supplementation appears safe and potentially beneficial for children and adolescents.
1: Yeah. One of those that, you know, overlaps a little bit with the ISSN stance. And um, like I said before, if you're working with youth athletes, don't take our word for it. Do your own research. Talk to professionals. Very much so. All right. Does creatine increase fat mass?
0: Uh, In summary, creatine supplementation does not increase fat mass across a variety of populations. This one's, yeah, pretty straightforward. They've done a couple longer duration studies. I think there's one that's like five yeah. years plus where they didn't see any of this.
1: Up to two years, I think is what okay. it says in this one. Yeah, it says, yep. however, randomized controlled trials one week to two years in duration do not validate this claim. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, is a creatine loading phase required?
0: In summary, accumulating evidence indicates that you do not have to load creatine. Lower daily dosage of creatine supplementation. uh for example, three to five grams a day, are effective for increasing intramuscular creatine stores, muscle accretion, and muscle performance and recovery.
1: Yeah, we've talked about this a little bit. The loading phase might be beneficial for getting the effects a little faster, um, but certainly not required. Yeah. Is creatine beneficial for older adults?
0: In summary, there is a growing body of evidence showing that creatine supplementation, particularly when combined with exercise, provides musculoskeletal and, p- and performance benefits in older adults.
1: Yeah, I, you know, this one, I think, is especially pertinent for climbers. This is one of the sports where you can continue enjoying the sport, pushing yourself into whatever age you're interested in doing that in. And um, they mentioned that. You know, one of the things that's scary for older athletes is age-related sarcopenia. So, essentially, it's a skeletal muscle condition of loss of muscle mass, strength, and muscle functionality. And there's some evidence saying that creatine can combat that, um, particularly when used in conjunction with exercise. Yeah.
0: And that's, you know, that's maintaining that muscle mass is huge for daily life and for performance. So I think that's a really interesting and exciting thing to look at there.
1: Yeah. And muscle mass, you know, is is safety. Strength is safety. And any injury when you're an older athlete is is gonna be a, a much bigger deal than when you were 19 years old. So for me, the fact that I'm able to stay stronger. Uh, be safer, n- not be as vulnerable to injury, muscle injury. Um, that's a big win.
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: Uh, Is creatine only useful for resistance power type activities? In
0: summary, there's a variety of athletic events, not just resistance power activities, which may benefit from creatine supplementation.
1: Power everything. Power everything. That's all what I'm things. all about. You sport climbers may not need it but I do. Um, and it, so basically this, this can benefit more than just these like super powerful strength based sports. Um, so sport climbers, you can use this.
0: And I think we've touched on this a couple times. Like one of the big things it's looking like with creatine is the recovery, you know, you're less sore, yep. less muscle damage, less inflammation. So that can lead to a So
1: you can do more training, more of your sport.
0: Exactly. And just, yeah, more performance on trips, just getting more work in, which can be really, really useful for improving performance.
1: Is creatine only effective for males?
0: Uh, In summary, there's accumulating evidence that creatine supplementation has the potential to be a multifactorial therapeutic intervention across the lifespan in females with little to no side effects.
1: Yeah, I didn't look to see what any of the side effects were here since it says little to no
0: yeah, they talked about some pregnancy and hormonal cycle uh, things. Again, it's not my wheelhouse really for the medical side of things. So I just kind of skimmed over that. Um, I did they did look at a couple of performance measures in purely female studies, and they showed similar things that we'll see with you know other full studies where they're looking at a mix of people. but um it improves sprint agility performance. Upper body exercise capacity, strength and power. So, yeah, it's effective for everyone.
1: Yeah, and I think it's important to, you know, notice things like um, females have been reported to have lower levels of creatine in the frontal lobe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this can help increase that. Um You mentioned that they talk a little about pregnancy here and reduced creatine levels in late pregnancy has been associated with low fetal growth. Um, So, it's sounding like it, and again, we're not medical professionals, so talk to the doctors, um, but it's sounding like it's not only a safe thing, but could be a beneficial thing. Yep, indeed. All right. uh, Last one here. Are other forms of creatine similar or superior to monohydrate? And is creatine stable in solutions beverages?
0: Uh, In summary, while some forms of creatine may be more soluble than creatine monohydrate when mixed in fluid, evidence-based research clearly shows creatine monohydrate to be the optimal choice.
1: And I think that's the most common, you know, Mm -hmm. that we're seeing. Um, You know, maybe if you're going on Amazon trying to buy the cheapest creatine available, you should be paying attention to are you getting creatine monohydrate. But I think any respectable... Um, company is going to be supplying you with creatine monohydrate in most cases.
0: And I think a good resource for a lot of supplements is actually examine.com. Have you heard of them? I haven't. So, yeah, it's basically it was founded as a third party research and vetting organization or resource for supplements. You know what's in it, you know, because a lot of claims are made on some of these supplement bottles. So, that mm-hmm. could be a good starting starting point to find quality um, supplements as well. And, you know, we both get supplements from various companies that we like as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think they mentioned in the paper, so creatine salts are like creatine complexes. They're often marketed as more effective sources of creatine than creatine monohydrate. But per this paper, there are no peer-reviewed published papers showing that the ingestion of creatine salts or other forms of creatine Uh, increase creatine storage in muscle to a greater degree than creatine monohydrate.
1: Yeah. um, Marketing is scary shit, man. So. Indeed. Definitely don't just take the ads word for it when you're looking at things. And I'll make sure to have a a link to examine.com in the show notes for folks who want to go and check it out. Yep. All right. um, Real quick, what does this paper not say or how can it be you know, easily misinterpreted. What is close? There's no close in science,
0: Barry. There are right answers
1: and wrong answers. Yeah, but I'm just saying, Mr. White. Number one, what it doesn't say is that you won't gain weight. It's it's not saying that. That's something I hear pretty often. I don't want to gain weight on creatine. And this is not saying that you won't. Uh, you may indeed. And I have. Uh, but for me, the the weight and the power associated with it
0: power, everything
1: greatly um, improves my climbing versus the weight decreasing my climbing. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think another thing it doesn't say is that everyone will have these same results too, you know, as with anything, your mileage is going to vary. We're all different. So yeah, you're everyone's not going to have exactly the same result and have, you know, Wildly beneficial or negligible gains from creatine. It's really just, it's safe to try. Yeah. Evidence backs it up. It's worth giving a shot and seeing how you respond.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that's important with every study to consider. You know, they're looking at, there's 253 citations in this paper. So they're looking at a lot of different studies, a lot of different groups of people. But you may have some factor that doesn't match up with any of these groups. And, you know, you should you should feel okay giving it a try um, and then making your own decisions from there. Mm -hmm. All right. uh, Let's talk real quick about the applications and how we might use it as coaches and as athletes.
0: I got all these little pieces and they're all part of the story, right? But they don't mean much on their own. But when you start telling me what you know, we start filling in the gaps. I'll have them in lockup before the sun goes down.
1: Uh, Despite, your 500 gram loading day today. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Do you use creatine?
0: I actually don't. I've never used creatine. Um, I have been lucky that I recover fairly quickly and I'm just around strength training quite a bit. So I'm always addressing that. And I'm lucky that I could always be stronger, but I haven't really felt like I haven't ha- been able to handle the training load myself or other coaches have prescribed for me. So, I haven't used it, but I have athletes who do and I'm all about it. Yeah,
1: yeah I I hadn't used it. Um, I tried it when I was in my 20s and I tried the loading protocol and I was lifting a bunch and training a bunch and I gained a bunch of weight immediately. And I was really prone to putting on mass back then anyway. Um, so So, I gained a bunch of mass because I just overdid the training and overdid the creatine. Um, And then I didn't use it for a long time. And actually the first time I started using it and was starting to feel the effects um, was when you came out here. And I hugely credit creatine, at least in part to the fact that I was able to get on the rodeo wave and do routes that previously just felt impossible to me and do them relatively quickly my my power felt like it was way up from where it had been in the past
0: power everything
1: and i was able to recover in between sessions and get some things done you know um so i've continued to use it and i personally um I use Gnarly, which is a creatine monohydrate. It's certified safe for sport. And I use the recommended five grams a day um, with no loading protocol, like I've mentioned before. So, and for me as an aging athlete, I think that works out well. And I would I would recommend any of my aging climbers um, or climbers, frankly, who have trouble putting on muscle or gaining strength. I think this is a really safe thing for them to experiment with and see if it helps.
0: Yeah, it's got it's got a shit ton of evidence behind it. It's 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 worth it. Check it out.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, you can find both Paul and I all over the internets by following the links in your show notes. You can find Paul at his gym, Crux Conditioning, in Chattanooga. If you have questions, comments, or papers you'd like for us to take a look at. And like I said, I'm, we're coming with those Better Call Paul episodes. Um, just cat out of the bag there so if you have questions (laughs) let us know hit us up at community.powercompanyclimbing.com don't forget to subscribe to the show hit the follow button on spotify leave us a review and please tell all of your friends who cite those 1982 studies that say you'll look like a bodybuilder if you use creatine not that that's necessarily a bad thing that you have the perfect podcast for them Uh, We'll see you next week when we discuss, once again, hangboard protocols and which ones will make you magically stronger and have more endurance.
0: Can't wait. It's done. You keep saying that and it's bullshit every time. Always. You know what? I'm done. Okay? You and I, were done.
1: Breaking Beta is brought to you by Power Company Climbing and Crux Conditioning and is a proud member of the Plug Tone Audio Collective. For transcripts, citations, and more, visit powercompanyclimbing.com slash breakingbeta. Let's not get lost in the who, what, and whens. The point is, we did our due diligence. Our music, including our theme song, Tumbleweed, is from legendary South Dakota band, Rifflord. This is it, this is how it ends.